I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. No matter what, it seems like I go back to a particular line of preaching uh, here recently. I can't seem to get away from it because I I feel the sensuality of, of this and the time that we're living in and the need for us not only to be soul winners, but for us to see some fulfillment of God's promises in our, our own lives. Uh, if I can say this and you can understand this, it seems to me like so, so many of you are at a place where you, it, it's like you've got cords around your arms, just around your body, uh, not in the sense of the devil binding you, but in a sense that you're binding yourself. And the Lord has got His hand reaching out to you, and He says, I want to do this for you. I want you to have that healing. I want you to have that deliverance. I want you to have it. But right now, it seems that we're just we're bound. And we're bound not with just infirmities, with our own doubts. With our own observations of things that seem to be in the way that are not true. You're allowing a lie to stop you. The devil, the Bible says, is a liar and the father of it, so you're allowing a lie. And I, I want us to get by some of that. I want us to get by. I want to see some of you get by it this evening. I think it's important for you to, to understand this. We're going to right now, in Jesus' name, bind every distraction. We're going to bind every distraction. I'm going to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not worrying about next week. I'm not worrying about the things that are all around me that seem to be like dogs barking around me in a circle. Just making a lot of noise, but nothing is going to happen. We're not going to allow that to stop us here this evening. I'm going to get my miracle tonight. I'm going to get my miracle tonight. I'm going to get my miracle tonight in Jesus' name. I'm getting my miracle tonight. Give him another hand clap of praise. Joshua 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it out of uh, King James into the, and then the Amplified. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Now in the Amplified, And when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were in the brink of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Luke 5, Luke 5, verses 3 and 4. Again, I'm going to read it in the King James. Luke 5, verses 3 and 4. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. 
verse 3 again of the Amplified, and getting into one of the boats for one that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested him to draw away a little from the shore. Then he sat down and continued to teach the crowd of people from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into deep water, lower your nets for a haul. And Simon Peter's answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nets. But on the ground of your word, I will lower my nets again. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Two different scenes. One, Israel is standing on the overflowing banks of the Jordan River. And the other, Jesus just finished teaching, and He now commands Peter to launch out into the deep. There are some similarities between the two stories. They are, in both cases, facing deep water. And in one case, they're wanting to harvest fish. In the other, it's harvest time in Canaan land. These are the two scenes, the two scenarios uh, that, were, uh, that I want to preach about tonight. Now, the spies had just returned from Jericho. They had been hidden by Rahab among the unripened stalks of flax. The promise now to Israel was, you are going to live in houses you did not build. You're going to eat what you did not plant. The harvest that the spies saw in Jericho at this time was flax and barley. This wasn't what Joshua and Caleb had been telling them for the last 40 years. The stories had been of giant clusters of grapes and a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Does that sound familiar? Years and years I've been told about this. Years and years I've heard the stories. I've heard about great moves of God, about great miracles, about great things happening. I've heard this for years. But is it ever going to come to pass? And every time I get close... It seems like something else right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. For 40 years I've needed a miracle. For 40 years I, the church has been able to go, I've heard this, the church is able to go into such a position that nothing was impossible for it. That every one of my needs would be met. I would have all my provision made. I've heard it for 40 years. Come on now. 40 years. And here I'm looking at the promised land, and all that I see is flax and barley. Flax. The unripened stalks is on top of Rahab's house. Now these were unripened stalks. This is how they ripened it. Flax is used to make fiber, to make clothes. 
You can take flax and you can also have the oils. You can make a paint with it. Nice enough. Sure not one big cluster of grapes. And then barley. You know what you do with barley? You feed the hogs with it. You feed the, you, you feed the animals with barley. And if you're, if you're really poor, you eat barley. Or you can eat it in grape nuts if you've got other problems. That was for you, sis, just in case you needed that. <laughs> you know, that, it's, it's what poor people eat. But here, here that's all they're seeing. They're seeing all these great things they've heard for 40 years, and all I see is something that I, that I really don't care about. In fact, I was better off walking around in the wilderness and God provided for me. My shoes grew. My clothes never wore out. I got, I had quail to eat. I had manna from heaven. I had all of these wonderful things and all I had to do was walk circles. Now if you, if you look at the, the wilderness of sin, the desert area, that's all they did. They just walked in circles. I walked in circles, but I had provision. Why, well, that's a, Walking in circles and having provision. I should have titled that. <laughs> now let's, let's, let's move over. Let's move a little. Let's, let's go into the direction now. Jesus used Peter's boat just because the crowd was so, so thick. He told Peter, he said, push your boat out. He said, I'm going to use it for a pulpit. So he pushed it out and he used it. Now after he was done teaching, he turns to Peter and he says, let's go fishing. Only this time, we're going to throw your nets in deep water. Now, you have to understand something. The way they fished in Bible times was not the way that we see it done today. They had to use cast nets most of the time. And they caught a little old fish that wasn't even that big. Now, he, you fished in that time in shallow water. You push the fish up to shoal, and then you cast the nets in, and you got the fish that way. And not only that, if you took those nets and put it in deep water, you're going to lose your net. And, 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 and a fish in deep water can see that net coming, and he just squall right out from under it. He doesn't have, have to worry about a net that's in deep water. But if you got him in about two or three foot of water, you're going to catch him. So here Jesus is telling Peter to do something the exact opposite of what he's always been taught. The exact opposite. And then, you know, I can imagine, you know, I just got these nets mended. Just got this thing fixed. And here Jesus is telling me to take and go out in deep water. Everybody knows you don't catch fish in a net in deep water. Everybody knows that. And he said, all right, Jesus. He said, I've been doing this. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I have gone out and I've taught Bible studies. Nobody's been one. I, I, I've been at the altar praying on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm still in one mess after the other. That's all I said. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've fasted so much, I can't keep my pants up. I, I, I know, I, I've done all this, and I'm still waiting on that miracle, and now you tell me to do something else? You ever wondered sometimes if that one more thing 
one more. I'm one little step from getting everything that I've ever wanted from God. One step. I've been taught a certain way for so many years. And it seems like I'm just one step away. And I, I told my wife, I said, it seems like we're trying to get this money. We're always $3,000 short. It's all, I said, we get up to that and it's 3000 more and it's 3000 more. I said, we're the Holy Trinity short. <laughs> Lord, I want to see you do some great things. You know that? Do you believe that? I believe that too. I believe God's got some good things for you. I do. I do. I think you can be quite a soul winner one day. In fact, you're not too far off. Of, I believe that. I believe that. You know, you know it's... Oh, it's just one thing. It's just, it's just that one thing. If, if I can do this. But then you think back and you wonder, is it worth it? I'm exhausted from doing what I did. Now, am I going to push out in deep water and take a chance of losing what I've got? You know, can I cross the Jordan River that's out of its banks and, if the, and the current is running so fast that unless I'm as big like Brother Fox, I'm never going to get across it. If I'm the size of, of Adam Hill, I'm going to be down 30 miles before I get across. He would just like a stick bobber going up and down, up and down. <laughs> so, I, you know, so we, we see it's so easy, so easy. To get to that point of thinking, I can't do one more thing. You can't catch fish in deep water. You're going to lose your nets. And, and Jesus was asking him to take a chance. He said, let's, let's launch out into the deep. And what the disciples didn't know, and this is what a lot of us don't know, that if you go one foot beyond the shallow water, one foot into deep water, there's a school of fish that's going to sink your boats and break your nets. One foot, you can't see them. But they're in the water. And all you've got to do is get out of the shallows and into the deep. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap if you understand what I'm talking about. Oh. You know what God wants? He wants us to go fishing outside of what we're comfortable with. He wants us to go up to the brink of a flooded Jordan River and make a decision. I'm not worried about the flood. I'm not worried about the current. All I'm going to, I'm not worried about what I'm seeing in harvest. Ah. It's because what the Israelites wasn't aware of, that there was more in the promised land than barley and flax. That there was a huge harvest of wheat that was ready to be cut in just a few weeks. There's two harvests in Israel. One of them is the barley harvest. The next one is the wheat. They may not have seen the fields that were all ready to be harvested. They could have stood on the back side of the Jordan, the wrong side of the Jordan River to the time where they could have went off and, and, and already harvested the wheat and they wouldn't have known what they missed. Anybody feel like some God wants to do something great for you tonight? You feel like that? Is it just me? Is it just because I'm excited and got anointing on me? 
How many people like this come down here and get your miracle once and for all? Would you believe that? It's once and for all. Well, we're going to do it in a minute. We're going to do it in a minute. I'm going to get done preaching, and miracle seekers are going to come down here, and God is going to give you that miracle just to show you what you have is right. But what's in here is true. Peter, I know you've been fishing all morning, but you've been in shallow water. It's time for you to go deep. That's what Jesus said to do. Come on, there is a harvest, Peter, that you've never dreamed of. Enough to break your nets, but you have to go to deep water. You've got to get outside of what's normal for you. Israel, the river is running fast and it's overflowing its banks. If you're going to reach the promise, you're going to have to step in and see what God can do. Because there's always deep water at harvest time. Always deep water at harvest time. Every time I see, I see it. We've had we had a great revival, had a great things happening. We got this building coming. We're getting the money together. Now there's going to be some people that walk up to the brink of their Jordan River, and they're not going to see it as that little shallow creek. They're going to see it as it overflows its banks. Why? Because it's time for harvest. Always deep water at harvest time. You're going to see some deep things, some things that's going to trouble you, and it's going to wonder, and you say, I'm not sure I can do this. But guess what, friend? Just outside your comfort zone, there is a great big bunch of fish. There's a whole field full of wheat. There's a promise that you're going to get caught. Oh, there was there was this poor TV repairman one time. He was called to fix the television. It had no sound or picture. The repairman was left alone in the room to work on the TV, and he spotted the problem immediately. The set was unplugged. The repairman easily had the TV working, and he pondered over whether or not to charge his regular repair fee. So he decided to only charge for his travel expenses. And he presented the owner with a minimum charge service bill that read this way. Restored, isolated, connecting cable to primary power source, $25. Come on. Jesus gives us a command and promise. Our job is to trust Him and His power. In our own strength, we are just like a TV that's not plugged into the power. By faith, we yield to Jesus and He gives us His power. By faith, we say, I'm going to step into that running river. By faith, we get out into deep water and we say, I believe there is a whole bunch of fish enough to sink my boat. Come on! There's a miracle that's so big for you that it's going to sink. Sink your boat, Peter! Mm. Like Peter, when Jesus calls us to follow Him, when our 
circumstances seem hopeless, we can answer, if you say so, I'll try it one more time. I'm going to try it again. Another translation says, nevertheless, it's your word. We'll try it again. We all need a nevertheless of faith in our lives. lives. Come on. Nevertheless, I'm going to do it again. Nevertheless, I'm going to take one more step. Nevertheless, I'm going to get into this flooded river. Nevertheless, I'm going to bring out into deep water. Nevertheless, I'm going to come down to the altar one more time. Nevertheless, I'm going to believe God for my healing even though I've been down there 40 times. You know, I read about two men that daily rented a boat, fished in a lake, Finally, one day, they caught their limit, 30 fish. One said to the other, mark this spot so we can come back here again tomorrow. Next day, when they were driving to rent the boat, he asked his friend, did you make the spot like I, or mark the spot like I asked? His friend replied, yes, I put a big X on the bottom of the boat. The other man said, you dummy. He said, how could you be so stupid? What were you thinking? Now what happens if we don't get the same boat? They said those two were from Greene County. (laughs) Our tendency is to stay in the shallow, safe water of life. We want no risk. We want to be comfortable. Nice, comfortable life experience. We want to be able to see the bottom. Are you hearing me? To launch out into the deep is to take a step of faith. We can't see the bottom. A picture of the future. We just trust Jesus. Jesus, because you say so. What have we been saying? We're saying we're going to cross the Jordan River. And I know some of us have crossed it. I've seen the result of some of it. Folks, let me tell you something. We had tonight, this morning, and I can't say who, but this morning we had one person give $9,300 to the building fund. One person. One person. Oh! And I guarantee you one thing, that person launched out into the deep. I know they did. But guess what? They may not be seeing bottom anymore, but there's something underneath the boat that's going to be worth all that they have done. You know, regardless of what happens to you, we can know that Jesus is near. Jesus didn't give a command and a promise and then leave. He stayed close by the shore. When Peter returned with a boatload of fish, Jesus was there waiting for him. When going through deep water, you can keep your courage and hope in the Lord. Hope is the untiring conviction that you are not locked permanently into your predicament. You are not locked. Permanently, I'm not going to stand on the edge of a flooded Jordan River the rest of my life. I'm either going to go in and drown or I'm going to get into the promise. I'm not camping on the side of the Jordan. (sighs) 
Bill Gaither wrote a song that we used to sing a lot. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. Are you with me? And life is worth the living just because he lives. Just because he lives. No other reason. If I don't get another thing because Jesus is alive, I should worship and praise Him the rest of my life. When going through times of deep water, look at the Lord. Look to the Lord. Isaiah forty thirty one tells of God's promise. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many times I've quoted that Scripture. How many times I've read that. Things have been rough. I felt bad. I didn't feel like I was going to make it. And you know what I'm talking about. I know what he went through and Greg the same way. I know what they went through. But you guess what? They're both standing here today. They're both standing here today. Because he lives. I can I can do I, I can renew my strength. <laughs> oh God. Oh eagles, they seem to sense when a storm's coming. Long before it breaks, the eagle will fly to some high spot and wait for the winds to come. When the storm hits, the eagle sets its wings so the wind will pick it up and lift it above the storm. While the storm rages below, the eagle is soaring above it. And I love watching people soar in this place. You know, occasionally you see it. I know the situation in their life, but I see them. They're worshiping God. They're loving God. They're dancing. They're carrying on. They're going on. Why? Because they're soaring, friend. That's why. But how about the storm in their life? They're soaring. That's what. Woo. Come on. McCormick's Creek Church needs to soar through all the difficulties and the problems we got. We're going to see brand new people. Why? Because we're soaring above the storm. And the eagle, he doesn't, he doesn't escape the storm. He simply uses, oh, he uses the storm. You know what's neat? Can I say neat? That's back about 1973. Is that okay? You know, they used cool, and that came back in the 50s with the beatniks. And so you people know what a beatnik is, ask Floyd today. You know, what, what I think is great is when you can use the devil. You know, he, he does something nasty, and you just use it. Hey, great testimony. You know, you're giving someone else. Well, I don't want to give the devil credit, but occasionally it's nice. You know, someone's going through some tough times, and you say, you know, I had something very similar to that. The devil threw this at me, and guess what I did? I went to church, started praising God, running the aisles and carrying on. And guess what? The devil tried even harder, and guess what? I kept praising God, carrying on, and acting like a fool, foolish person, holy rolling, all this stuff. And I kept using that, and that person before long got out of the terrible state they were in because you used what the devil did to you to make them feel better. Well, come on. Use him. Use the problem. 
So you just, you know, escape it. You just let you use it to lift it higher. And it rises, the eagle rises on the winds that bring the storm. And when the storm comes, look to Jesus and by faith rise above the storms of life on the wings of the Holy Ghost. You're not immune from the storms, but you allow God's power to lift you above the storms. It's not a matter of whether we're going to go through the fire or not, because we will. What really is the whole, the, the key to it is how am I going to go through the fire? And how the key there is who is the fourth man in the fire? Who is the fourth man in the fire? You see, regardless of what we endure, there's always another one right there with you. What you need to ask God is don't, don't deliver me out of the fire. Let me see the one that's going through it with me. Someone wrote this. He said, Christ is no security against storms, but he is a perfect security in storms. He does not promise an easy passage, but he guarantees a safe landing. From the human perspective, problems you face seem hopeless. From the human perspective. You need to be reminded there are no hopeless situations when Jesus is near. No such thing. No such thing. I stand gazing across the Jordan River, flooded, and I see a log go flying by. Probably right out of Africa. Something else cut down, flying by. And I wonder, can I get across this thing? Can I get across this thing? You know, they said that that, that Joshua said that the the priesthood's got to go in with the Ark of the Covenant. They've got to step into this mess, and then it's going to stop. But is it worth it? The, The problem, what if I get halfway through and God changes his mind? I mean, you're, you're halfway through, and all of a sudden God says, well, I'm tired of these people, and just let it all come flying back. And you think that's stupid, but some of you feel the same way. All of a sudden, you got this promise, and now you're down and depressed because it's not happened within a week. Do you think God changed his mind? Are you truly getting across it? You're halfway across the Jordan. He's going to let it all come tumbling back in on top of you? I don't know about you, but I have yet to have him ever hurt me in any way. I've had some difficult times, but when I got through him, I realized it was for the betterment of me. I turned out to be a better preacher, a better person, a better dad, a better husband. Come on! And above all, a better saint of God. Mark 5.25 describes a woman in a hopeless condition. There was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal. For many doctors through the years, the woman had spent her last penny to pay all kinds of of quack, if you would, doctors, and she'd gotten worse instead of better. After 12 years, she was ready to give up. She may as well admit it, she was going to be sick all her life. Hear me? After so long, she decides, it's just might as well quit. Then we read in verse 27. She heard about Jesus and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch some part of his clothes, I know I'm going to be healed. I know that. See, she really hadn't given up. She just never had the answer come that close before. 
Do you understand that? Sometimes the answer is so close. It's just across the flooded Jordan River. It's just off the shoals in the deep water. Oh, God. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know if I can go any further. I just need to pray. Everybody just, just, just pray with me for me. If you're here, if you're here tonight, if you're here, keep praying, folks. Keep praying. If you're here tonight, and you know that you, 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 you need an answer desperately, I want you to come. I want you to come. It's okay. I don't, I don't have to finish this. I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now, and I feel I feel answers here. I feel like somebody's ready to get into some deep water. I feel like somebody is ready to begin to cross that that flooded river. Oh, just come here, see I'm gonna preach a little bit more. I'm not I'm not satisfied with the results yet. And you only get what you preach. That's that's just a that's a fact. We talked about the woman with the issue of blood. She had to admit, or at least she thought she was, she was going to be sick all her life until she heard that Jesus was coming. And she knew that if she could touch him, that she would be made whole. Now I want you to I want you to get this next part. This woman elbows her way through the crowd. And she keeps moving just like a quarterback going for the goal. And she finally touches the robe of Jesus and immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel that she'd been healed. But the key here was she was not going to let anything stop her. She elbowed her way through the crowds. She said, I am going to touch the hem of His garment. I am going to be made whole. Do you understand that if you want a miracle, you can't just sit back there and hope it comes. I'm going to get to the front. I'm going to elbow my way through everybody. I'm going to get there just so God will know that I mean business. I want to be healed. I want a miracle. I want it to stop now. healing power of the Lord moved into her life. She had a dark and a hopeless condition. Now she is, she has, she has an immediate turnaround and she has hope. Folks, you can't leave here tonight without a brand new hope. You can't leave here tonight without knowing something happened in my life tonight. God touch me. I'm not going to be the same when I go home. I'm not going to be the same person that I was when I walked into that church at 6 o'clock. I have got hope now. Mark 2 talks about another person who was helpless and hopeless. He was paralyzed. He was bedfast. He could not walk. The man lived in Capernaum. He, he heard that Jesus was in Capernaum. And he wondered if the gossip was true that Jesus could truly heal people. Oh, he was thinking about Jesus. Four of his friends showed up and said that they were going to take him to Jesus. They put him on a stretcher and they started walking with the man until they came to the house where Jesus was teaching the people. 
The paralyzed man looked at the house and it was jammed with people. With people crowded outside the house. There was no way for this man to get in to see him. You standing there, you're sitting in the church tonight with every opportunity to get to be with Jesus. With every opportunity to be able to get down to where He is. All He's asking of you is to take one step out of your pew and to make a start. Then He will meet with you and your life can completely change. This man had four friends that wasn't willing to allow this paralyzed man to stay on the outside. They got up on the roof of the house and they began to tear the roof down. They tore the roof out and lowered this man on his bed right where Jesus was teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you've got real friends, they're going to help you find Jesus. They're not going to take you away from Him. Now, now I'm done. And I did that last part so that I could reach out to some other people that are here that are, they're, they're, they're decidedly upset with their life and they're tired of being the way they are. And you would like to see a change in your life, but you can't have it unless God fills you with His Spirit. And you're here tonight and you've been sick long enough and you've made a decision, I'm not going to be sick any longer. I'm going to elbow my way to the altar. I'm going to get somebody to pray for me and I'm going to walk away from here healed. Now as they sing, this altar still open. Come on. Come on, don't, don't leave this place hopeless. Don't leave this place in the same condition you were in. Let's sing another song. And I want you to come down. I want you to let God touch you. I want you to find somebody to pray with you. I want you to stand at this altar and say, I'm not leaving here till my sickness is gone. I'm not leaving here till my, my life has changed. I'm not leaving here until I have hope again.